got you. And I've forgotten my I've forgotten my headphones, so I'm going headphones free today. How are you, man? Man, I'm really good. Thank really you good. Your patience. Nah, it's all good. No problem at all. The uh, the challenges of trying to have a um, important conversation with three children. <laughs> it was hectic, man. It was hectic. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I can appreciate that. It's all right. There's always something for me to do, mate. I'll just chip away at something, get rid of that. Yeah, there's no such thing as waiting, is there? No, not really. That's why I try and tell my kids there's no such thing as boredom. Yeah. Right. You know, like, what does like, a friend of my mum's used to have this great saying um, boredom is waiting patiently. That's what she used to tell her kids. And I was like, bang on. Why didn't someone say yeah. that one to me? Yeah. Could have done with that. Just adjusting light sources. All right. Um, I have no agenda, no plan. I've got the video recording in the background. The audio is being recording, being recording, being recorded. I don't speak good. <laughs> I don't speak better. <laughs> yeah. We might just start it there with speaking bad, badder words. Badderer. Badderer. What's news, man? Um, man, life's been amazing amazingly chaotic um there's been uh, so much going on um this year and so yeah man we're um building our dream home and then the bill for 180 grand on the quote um our daughter's 11 weeks old we've moved into a rental i've stepped away from a men's movement that i created um so there's just like a lot of expansion and death of identities and cycles and uh, got had a vasectomy, which was like that was a big moment in my manhood. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like it, there's been a lot, and that's like the past three months. All of that stuff has been transpiring. So it's like it's compressing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, man, it is. It it's is weird. It's just a weird time, and not negative weird, just weird. I mean, there are some things that you could you could put in the negative box, I suppose. But yeah, you can do about it. Exactly. This, what uh, I keep reminding myself and what my soul keeps reminding me is you chose all of this, bro. Yeah. I chose all of this. I uh -huh. chose to have three kids. I chose to have a big life. I chose to lead men. I chose to build a house, like all of this stuff and oh, the pressure, but man, you chose it. Um, yeah. oh, oh, I chose it. But yeah. So. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? It's so true. You chose a vasectomy. I did. I That's did. a fun experience. Bro, it was ice. It was super cold. It was, um, yeah, yeah, I'll go into it. So, yeah, I've had, always... it done. I've had it done, man. I know. Who'd you go? Did you go to Dr. Snip? I did. Same. I was in Melbourne when he was like Keysborough or something in Melbourne. And I'm like, ah, okay. The only guy yeah. who's not going to put me under to do a little bit of a snip snip. I, I like this guy already. Yeah. Um, it was so when I was 17, I'm 37 now. I've always wanted to become be a father. My mm -hmm. youngest sister's 12 years younger than me, so I helped raise her. Yeah, and so I just waited till I found the perfect woman, which I did. And so my partner and I would have three beautiful children, all, all healthy. We've said we only wanted three kids. Very, very blessed that like every time we consciously said, Let's have a baby, it was like then bang, bang. So it's like to a tear we could plan, which is really beautiful. So uh, our daughter's really healthy. I'm like, Yeah, cool, it's time to get the vasectomy. Uh, for me, it was like. One, I don't want to have to have my partner on any um, 
what do you call it? Um, prescription stuff, like the pill and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, for her body, mm-hmm. or putting rods in her arm or anything like that. Sure. Um, and then also to expand our sex life too, of like not having, because I've had a lot of mates had that third or fourth child unplanned. And yeah. so I was like, well, cool. If I can take responsibility to that, I will. And as soon as I booked it in, all of this deep sadness came up. Oh, really? I, yeah. So it was like, and I was noticing this really deep sadness. And one of my, he's in Native America. He teaches Native American um, ceremony over in America. Uh, he came to me in a dream and um, he held me in this tree. And I just bawled my eyes out, man. I woke up. I was like, man, I've let go of all that grief. Mm-hmm. And the grief was, it was like a letting go of an identity of, I actually became a father. Yeah. And, but, but my thing was, I'd, I've gone now from a dad, like I believe anyone could be a dad but it takes a real man to be a father to actually raise their young and actually instill the values and beliefs and set boundaries. But mm-hmm. anyone can just have a, a, a kid and walk away from it. If they sure. want to dad. So I felt all that sadness and it was a really like, I don't really feel those death identity deaths that much. Like it's very feminine thing. Um, I felt But yeah, went to see Dr. Snip, the lady, the nurse, she was an ice queen, bro. She had no compassion or empathy there. Oh, really? Number. So, I'm like, hey, how are you? Yeah, good. Sit down. It's like, oh. I was like, man, really? I had like, the complete opposite feeling. I'll tell you mine you? in a moment. You go first. And so it was ice. And wow. because I'd had this experience of grieving, I just like literally, especially as a woman, just wanted that nurture and then mm-hmm. didn't get it. Um, and I'm um petrified of needles even though i have tattoos i faint and so i wrote that on the form sit on the yeah <laughs> exactly and this the first thing they say is like you're inked up i'm like there's a difference between getting injected something or just surface but anyway so needle goes into the cock i can literally feel all of this stuff going on you feel it, and you feel it just, come up bro yeah and then i started to lose consciousness so i started doing my breath work to yep. stay present and I'm like, hey, I'm about to faint. Um, I'm really hot. Can you help me get this hoodie off? They just stood there, bro. And so I'm fumbling around like an apprentice trying to get this hoodie off with two people not even helping. And I asked for help and support. And it's just like, oh, and I finally got it off. They declined me. Ice under the head. And he had to keep going, man, because it only has that short period of time. You got the window, so yeah. he's Yeah, so he's doing this procedure. I'm still conscious, consciously breathing to stay present. And then next thing I'm still declined and they both just leave the room and just leave me there. And I just, the mind chatter got really loud of like, you're alone. You've, and it was like, all you wanted was love. And, but I caught it, man. And it was yeah, an amazing experience it. catching it. And then it was the first time in a really deeply long time that I found the presence of God or love or consciousness. Uh-huh. And I just had this mantra. It's like, bro, your, your source, your consciousness. And this over-relation of joy and gratitude came through me. And, especially with men's work or like a lot of those things that I teach is, man, you don't need to do this alone anymore. Mm. But this vasectomy was one of those things I needed across that threshold on my own to find that place of sovereignty. Um, and so, yeah, it was a traumatic oh. experience, man. Um, though I, it, it had a beautiful pinnacle. Um, but yeah, you said you had the opposite. I had the opposite experience. My dad drove me out, right? Because like, well, wow. my dad had one, he's done back in the day. It was a different world, right? Different world. So I'm like, I don't know. I've heard horror stories of dudes nuts blowing up like balloons. You know, like it goes horribly wrong. I don't know if I'm going to be a bit woozy after the needle. You're happy to drive me out, mate? And he's like, yeah. So, I mean, I drove there. I ended up driving back because it wasn't that big a deal in terms of procedure. But I'm a little bit weird with needles as well, Mm -hmm. which is funny because, you know, like all the nurses joke at me 
I went, I went for a CT or something once. I can't remember for my shoulder. I blew my shoulder out. I had to get some a scan, and I went out just in the chair. Yeah. And I wake up, and I'm there. All there's like five nurses around me, and they're like, and she's giggling at me. Why do all the blokes with ink go out? And I'm like, yeah. I said I can explain my story to you if you want, because my story is about being 17 and having glandular fever and like having no juice at all and just being a pincushion. So. I mean, I could have sneezed and fainted, but the needle went in and I'd go, Root, and, it, and it happened so many times I created this subconscious routine. And I've only just gotten over it because I was like, okay, I don't like that. I don't need that anymore. It can go away. But anyway, back to the snip. Walk in, get called in, see your mate. I say to my dad, I'll, be, I'll come out less of a man. We're having a bit of a joke, you know. And I get in there and I said, look, you know, I'm not great with needles. I'm okay if I'm lying down. It'll be no problem. I'm not going to go out. And he's like, just tell us what's happening and we'll let you know. And the needle goes in, he said, you feel a little prick. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you say that to all the boys, right? <laughs> and uh, oh, that feels a bit weird. He's like, no, nah, it's just a nurse. She's just touching your cock. You'll be fine. So they're having a bit of a giggle. And she was ace, you know, she's, you know, got the tools to hold everything and get everything out of the way. And she's having a giggle. And I'm like, I can feel after they eject me going up my guts. And he's like, it doesn't go up into your guts. There's no sensation there. It's all in your head. I'm like, huh, okay. Well, I'm, I'll just write out the, the, the experience, right? Yeah. But I had two nurses in there, like the old matron, the younger nurse, and the bloke doing this. And then they cauterize it and the tubes are hanging out. So I'm like, oh, smells like a barbecue in here. So we're all having a bit of a joke. He's like, oh, let's just have a chat while we just wait, make sure there's no, what did he say? Make sure there's no, uh, no bleeding. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that sounds great. Let's make sure there's no bleeding, please. And I got out and I drove home. So I had a really positive experience with it. And that's, it comes back to the, the care of the nurses, right? And I'm, yeah, that's a hard job. I'm not, I'm not, not going to point at nurses saying like they suck or they're doing the wrong thing, but that can get missed that, that nurturing side of things. They get caught up in the logistics of their job. Yeah. And goes. the, um, the, I felt, I, I just felt like a number and that was the, that's the, it just felt like a number because I actually said in my form, Hey, I faint. Yeah. And I'm letting you know I, this stuff. I'm letting you know, I'm declaring it's something that is like a little bit of like every, every nurse hangs shit on me. I'm like you bro. And most times I was in a high busy. And so I was like a tradie with ink. And they'd say all of that. Yeah, I'm hanging upside down, and um, the nurse goes, "Oh, he did write on the form that he sometimes faints with needles. I should have told you that earlier." And that was the, That's when the mind started coming up. It was just like, "This is bullshit." No, 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 no. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, man. But yeah, it, it was interesting. And to find that nurture within myself—that's like what we call father and and child. Hey. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, great. I can it was, remember. It was nice. You reminded me of an experience I had. I had um, some oral surgery once. I had a gum graft. I don't even know if I needed a gum graft, but I was told I did. So I followed the, you know, followed everyone. My computer's going to go bing now while I turn it on. That's better. No, I'll turn the power on. It's hang on. I've got to turn the power on and I'll tell you the story. Terribly organized today. Um, so I went and saw this lady who was, I don't even know the name. What, you know, they they whatever surgery whatever name they are because it's not an orthodontist not a dentist periodontist i think god someone will correct me sounds like a dinosaur it does but she was this you know um 
big breasted lady, a bit older than me. And I can remember feeling, oh, look, this is like matronly again, like the old style kind of fifties movie caring. Mm. And she sat down and just geometrically because her breasts were so big, like they were on the back of my head while she was doing her work. And I'm like, I feel so nurtured and comfortable here, even though I'm getting sliced and diced. This is like, I'm just sinking yeah. back into being a bub again, right? With this yeah. woman I've never met before. And just, I was like, every time someone talks about being nurtured in a medical situation, that's where my, I go back to that. And mm. so this experience, I don't like going to the dentist. I don't know many people who do. I didn't enjoy that experience, but I was comfortable the whole time. And I have no idea if that was her intention to be that close or it was all just logistics about how she was. But even her nature was caring. Mm. And I was just like, okay, like that's, a, that's an okay experience until I got home and tried to rinse my mouth out and just blood just started pouring out everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is now like a horror movie. I've gone from child being nurtured to something out of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I can resonate with you. Change on a dime. Yeah, looking at your T-shirt, I'm just trying to work it out. I don't know if I've seen it. Um, Columbus, Columbus Circle. Circle. Yeah, had a bit of a shirt little thing going on back in the day. New shirt for every weekend, uh-huh. fresh. So um, it's been interesting. Like I, I don't buy shirts that often anymore. Though so I've got all these nice printed shirts from uh-huh. back when I like late twenties. Um, so yeah, I just like cool. I'm just gonna like run them every day now, and yeah, so it was nice absolutely. to change that shift of like I. The shift was I'd only ever wear them out, uh-huh. like to to go somewhere good. And it's just like man, like every day is good, man. Like why not wear it every day? Yeah. Um. So yeah, just that attachment to what it was associated with. So, yeah. So funny. I can always remember as a kid, my dad was always like, "I'm like, Dad, you haven't bought any clothes for like 10, 15, 20 years, right?" Yeah. Why don't you just get, I don't need it. I don't need any new clothes, mate. I looked in my cupboard the other day and I'm like, shit, I haven't bought new clothes for so long. I'm like, I can get what my dad was on about. Like, it's not important. You don't need it. You're all good. It's like, my clothes are falling apart. I'm like, but it's my favorite t-shirt from 10 years ago. Yeah, man. Exactly. I I have one suit and I got married in it. Right. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, actually, all this shit that my dad did when I was a kid makes sense now. It just wasn't, he was just doing important shit. He wasn't doing unimportant shit. Like I was as a teenager trying to work out my place in society and who I was and what I'm doing. (laughs) All this new shit coming in and going out. My dad's like, you don't need it. Yeah. Classic Um, It's interesting having those... um, the parents instilling wisdom through their experience, like, hey, you don't need to do this. But yeah. then that teenage rebellious, like, well, no, I'm going to find it my own way. Yeah. And circle back eight years later and go, hey, mum, remember you told me this? You're right. <laughs> I had to learn those lessons for myself. There's like countless times of that. Oh, countless. I had that in the space of about 45 minutes with my 13 year old boy last night, where he was having, he was having a moment not being able to process. Uh, something that he felt like he'd done wrong. And we're like, you haven't done anything wrong, but, but we can be unhappy with what's happened. And it's, it's a dissatisfaction with the situation, not with you. And we're all past it and it's all good. And we can all move on. And he kept holding on to it really tight and he kept talking. 
And I said to him, you keep asking for the answer. The answer is really simple. Just stop talking and let it go. We're all good. You're the only one holding on. And he kept going. And I said, I said, buddy, I like, I've got to walk away because I don't want to keep talking to you. If you want to keep talking, that's okay. I've got to go. Like, so I went and sat on like the front steps for a little bit. I didn't just run away and do disappearing bad. I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to help by talking to you because what you need is to stop talking. And then he eventually allowed himself to calm down and he came out and he's like, I love you, dad. And I'm like, yeah, I love you too, man. It's never in doubt. Like you worked that one out yourself. It just took you like 40 minutes longer than it needed to take, which is pretty quick for a 13 year old. So more power to you, buddy. Amazing, man. They come back every now and then you come back and go, you were right, dad. And I'm like, mate, I'm happy to be wrong. Like mm -hmm. I would probably rather be wrong. And then you teach me something rather than me be teaching you. Cause that's not really my job. <laughs> like I don't I need to teach you stuff. I'm here to be yeah. here for you. Yeah, man. Um, my, we got three kids. So the eldest boy breath is not even three and a half yet. Middle boy, I expect 19 months in ocean. The daughter is 11 weeks old. Um, little breathy with, um, it's called generation mindful or gen mindful. Um, there's this, uh, it's a call a time in corner. And so it, it's aligned with the chakras, but they have about 20 um, emotional regulation tools that they can choose from. So like uh, drinking cup of water, counting to 10, conscious breathing, do a jigsaw, hugging a teddy, all this sort of stuff. Another post has got all these uh, uh, along with the chakras, but, it, uh, and then another one has all, um, emotions and feelings and their facial expressions mm -hmm. so you sit down with them it's like hey buddy let's do an angry face and like he's teaching learning how to, what, what emotions are and what they look like yeah he said to us the other day he's like hey dad um i'm 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 feeling some big emotions right now and this dude's not even three and a half and it's like oh my bro you have just taught i'm 37 mate and i struggle to say that uh -huh. even when i'm going through it and then two days later he's like dad i'm feeling really sad right now like, oh, mate, come here. What do you need? He's like, I yeah. just want to cuddle. So he's actually asking for what he needs. And he's like, three men. And so, like, he's teaching me so as a grown man what I need to be doing when I feel all these emotions coming up and actually say, hey, this is what I need right now. And yeah. have my needs met and desires met. Yeah. But I think we're the transitional generation. We are. Yeah. Like my dad, <coughs> he'll, he'll talk to me like that now, but not in the kind of language you and I might use. Mm. And I don't know if he'd get on the phone and say, hey, mate, I feel shit, but he'd probably pick up the phone because he needs to have a chat, right? But he might not be explicit about it. Uh, but you know, like growing up, I never heard any of those conversations that my dad had with his friends. His dad was well gone by that point. Like yeah. he wasn't around. Um, so what do you model it on, right? You've got to go on a journey and find it. Mm -hmm. And then like you and I are sort of within our little groups of people that we've discovered and men that we can connect with on this level. So for us, it's like, there's this positive feedback loop. So it's starting to shift, but then there are other people that aren't in these places in these, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally can't do it. So you still run into that kind of a man down the street, right? You're like, oh, okay, I can see that that's, you're not there yet. And that's all right. You're just not there yet. Mm. with that um i really feel there's a huge yearning for it though um yeah i think and right. like a massive yearning for that men um to have that space 
so where our kids, they go to kindy and they asked me to run some stuff for their fathers. So we created a fatherhood circle. Um, and I just create a Facebook group, 20 men, and just really, because none of them, I didn't know where they're at. Like, exactly what you're saying. Like, where, where are they pertaining to men's work? No one had ever been in a circle before. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool. So they don't know where the bar is. Yeah. So they're going to come up here thinking this is normal. And so, yeah, like, cool, let's have a fire circle and come. And we went deep, man. We went straight into fatherhood wounds, that very first circle. Everyone bawling their eyes out. And then the, 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 um, the context afterwards, like, man, that was amazing. I've held on to that for like 30 years. Like, is this what it's all about? Like, yeah, man, this is, this, it is normal. And then we started within like about a month, we started talking about legacy. I'm like, what do you say to your kids when you tuck, your bed, uh, tuck them in the bed? Oh, daddy's going to a men's circle we're changing the paradigm of that's now normal to your kid mm-hmm. and like we, we never heard our dad say hey i'm going to go down and chat to think about some deep emotions and stuff or, or go to a circle and so just from our way of being in this little fatherhood circle we're recreating that men's work is normal for these kids coming yeah. through um which is like super important man but yeah those 20 men bro like as a collective they've never done anything but it, it, it was instant as soon as we have by the fire and that one permission of like, hey, this is where this is where we can go. Mm-hmm. Bang, 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 bang. Everyone had something to share. Mm-hmm. We've been carrying it for so long, man. Uh, but they needed that permission to go first and the safety of like, hey, this is what it's about. Yeah, and um, it so, stays yeah. here and we're we're all here to support you. And yeah. Yeah. So powerful. So yeah. powerful. I I can remember when the, the men's group that I'm still part of. So there's nine of us. It's kind of, it's now the amalgamation of two groups, yep. which is great. Like, cause it's, 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 it's almost like men's work squared now. Cause these two separate groups went through the same process to start up and pretty much half of each kind of just fell off. And, and both groups were like, well, we're not at critical mass anymore. We need, we need more voices. What are we going to do? And just that question goes out to the universe and bang, we come together. And I can remember when that kicked off before the groups joined, the, the, the vast array of men who turned up. Like there, were, there was like someone like me who got, you know, hit 20 and went, there's more than this, been into Eastern mysticism and martial arts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm reading all the books and I know it in my head, but I don't know it in my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my journey. That's why I wanted to jump in. It's like, let's get this open, right? Let's not just talk about it. Let's, let's feel it. So that was mine. And then there were guys that had done no work before, like really alpha barriers, all that shit had to come down. There were like the kind of more uh, reserved men who wanted to kind of come up and connect with other men. Men who, who, you know, had whatever stuff going on with substances and done a lot of work, but just what he came in and he set the tone. He's like, I'm not here to fuck around, right? This is this is the shit that's happening for me right now, and I need a, a you know I need a forum to talk about it. I need support from men, and everyone just went, oh, right, okay, we're going that deep straight away. Yeah. So, so and that was gold. Like that that one man being there and going like, I've done this before. I've done twelve step processes before. I'm not I'm not here to fuck around. Mm. Like we're going, we're going deep straight away, and everyone went boom, level up. Yep, that's good. Great, this is yeah. great. And I like you said, sorry, you go, man. 
no, no. I just say um, uh, we had a retreat like that, man. It was the um, the first sort of big share, and there was a thirteen year old. So when um, boys turn twelve, they can come on a, this retreat, like lecture. But and it was thirteen, and the shares you could just see the mass. That so many alphas there, man, and like yeah. just the, no one wanted to go first. And then this thirteen year old young man, when he shared, man, it was one of the deepest shares I've ever experienced. And then we just looked at all the men. Like he's gonna now teach you how to be a man, and like just the proudness that this young man felt because he felt that he did. Yeah, it was just amazing, man. But just the to see that person go first, and like I always share that because he was thirteen mm-hmm. and set the tone for all these men. And then we have men that are grown that like sometimes need to summon that courage within themselves and like be like that thirteen-year-old boy, just put it out there. Yeah, because um, it can change in so many ripples. Yeah, ripples happen from it. And sometimes you put your stuff out there, and it's exactly what another man needs to hear. It's mm-hmm. not just about your story; it's about their story being validated. Mm-hmm. They feel heard. They even if they don't speak right, they feel heard because they turned up. Mm-hmm. And they're just nodding their head, or they're just quiet, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. My kids are—it's just part of what happens every fortnight. I'm out. I'm doing it. Like it's man night tonight. It's sacrosanct. Nothing else is getting in the way. I mean, it's very rare. Like I have to be sick for it. You know, like not. I'm not transmitting stuff to people. You know, or I'm there. Yeah. So it's tomorrow night, and I I can't wait. Like I just it hits that week, and I'm like I'm ready. Let's do it again. Yeah. It's gonna come out this time, but and I know these. Like I know the men now. Mm. But it doesn't matter. Like what's happened? What happened? What happened this in this 14 days? Like, where are you at? What's going on? And and sometimes someone will bring a process and you'll be like, oh, I didn't think down that pathway for a while or I haven't felt that for a while or I've not connected with that for a while. And then you take that away. You can do some work on that. It's great. And I, I like you said before, I love that my kids know that this is just normal. Yep. You know? It's normal. Like I tell my kids I love them every day. And it's not just three words. It's like, you be you, you do you. I love you like you are you, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I never got any of that. And it's not, and it's not a, nothing against my parents, but it's just not the language. It wasn't what was said. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely hear you, man. Um, and also, um, I try and also say I love you when I don't expect it. Yes. But like when they when they're really going through some massive emotions and throwing tantrums and like toys everywhere, I love you, bro. Yeah. And the 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 what and like <laughs> just breaking that paradigm that the love isn't just conditional to when you're a good good boy, quote unquote. Yeah. It's like yeah, I love you, man. Like this is the behavior that we need to look at, but <laughs> yeah. I still love you, man. Not a fan of the behavior, but you you're fine. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right on the wall with the crayons. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the the context. That um, one of my mentors. That was how he um, de- described the difference between um, the what what context was. Like, how do you describe context? And he described it as when a child paints on a wall of your house. The picture is amazing, but in the context of the house, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, I, I see it now. I can see it. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, that's all right. Classic, classic. You said you'd uh, moved away from the uh, men's community that you'd created? 
Yeah, so um, here locally on the sunny coast created CMB, Conscious Man Brotherhood, or the chapter here on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. We were running three men's circles uh, for a couple of years. And, um, been over 500 men um, when I um, decided to walk away. Uh, but yeah, just with everything going on, just had so much energy consciously in so many different areas of life domains. And so something needed to shift and yeah. uh, I'm seeing a psychologist. Um, and so, yeah, we just started nutting out a few things. Um, and he did this amazing exercise. He, um, when I told him everything going on, he's like, man, how do you feel? Like, something needs to go, bro. <clears throat> and I felt that it was CMB for eight months, but it was like, it was my baby. I created it. And to really let go of that was like, uh, I had so many stories that I was a failure and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then he, he um, grabbed a few energetically he goes, okay, there's surfing, there's the house, there's your retreats, there's your coaching, there's CMB, there's your kids, there's Melinda. Um, I'm throwing it all in there quick, grab something. I'm like, oh, fuck, the kids. And he's like, what else are you going to grab? You got two hands. I went, see, uh, CMB. And I just like, and I started bawling my eyes out, bro. Like, I didn't pick my partner. Like, and I, it was a, that, that really hit home. It's like, mm. that's where I'm placing my, all of my energy. And it wasn't, it was subconsciously too. Because mm. consciously, I was really trying to give a lot of love to my partner, but it was like that energetics. Like that's where I was still always connected into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, man, this is my permission slip for myself. Like I'm gonna let it go. And then next night, I just started bawling my eyes out. And uh, he's like, you're right. I'm like, yeah, man. All I want to do is take my two boys for a run in the pram. Something I hadn't done for three years, but I had the mental capacity to go do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that must have like just that cutting that cord had so much energy tied to those 500 men that like, I wasn't even going for a run. Um, so yeah, it was a really beautiful process to then. Wow. Yeah, That's a really cool team. process. That's a great yeah. process. It was amazing. Cause it was left field. I had no expectation. It was just like, in it. As, <laughs> but, like, it was just the, the truth comes out. Holy shit. A psychologist yeah. doing hypnotic work and not even knowing it. Oh, he's, he's pretty good. So I love he's, it. No, I love he, it. I'm not having a go with this guy, man. I'm just no, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Being, I'm being loose with my words. It's great. Yeah. But see, that's just throwing shit up, right? And letting you, something else doing it. Yep. It's a yep. whole, like, that's really, that's tuned in by that guy, right? Yeah. That's he's, so tuned um, in. 10, ten, year, yeah, 10 years in men's work, deep men's work facilitation. Then he's MBA and now he's doing some psychology. So he, bro, I got recommended to see him. And it's just like, I've got this kindred spirit. Um, and awesome. yeah, at the, at the end, it, at the first, first session, he's like, bro, we're having this shit out of what? I'm like, you know it. Hey, and so I'm just like, I've got a bro for life. And then he's yeah, like, awesome, man. So, and yeah, he just gave me the permission. He's like, the next session, you're no longer a coach, man. You come here as just to be held, like allow me to be that for you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been amazing. Like my partner's now coming to see, see him as well. And awesome. um, yeah, he, he's dope. I would refer so many people to him. He's, yeah, he's amazing. Um, Cause he, he also gets uh, the drive of why I do what I do, why you do what you do, mm. uh, which is really lovely uh, to be seen in that light as well. Uh, okay. I'm hearing some good re- reports about, like, it gives me joy and hope because you're like, I'm right. And so are you, of course, like, in this mental health, mental wellness space, whether it's explicit or not. Part of my work, it's explicit because I do clinical work. But I'm still seen as sort of like the ugly stepchild a little bit, you know, like counsellors and hypnotherapists are not quite, they're not real psychology people. (laughs) 
which is why I always gently poke the bear when I talk about psychologists. I mean, I've got a deep love for them, don't get me wrong. It's like every field. You've got a spectrum of, of people in it. <laughs> but, yeah, when I hear a great story like that, you get a hug and it's like a real person. It's not someone just sitting, you know, they're not, they're not sitting there like, you know, like this. Yeah. You don't feel like you're under the microscope. It's like someone's there to help you work out you or what your stuff or... And I've said this before in these conversations, I, I went and saw someone at the start of the whole COVID thing, sort of like the start of last year. But I went to my doc, I got the mental health plan sorted out. And I chatted to her, I feel like something's off, but I don't have anxiety, I don't have depression, I don't want to top myself. You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing heavy. Mm. But I've always had mentors or coaches or someone I can go to. And at that point, I didn't. And I'm like, well, I'm going to investigate proper clinical work you know, outside of my men's group, because that works on one level. This is like, go and, go and see someone. Do they have a process to have something to work through? Mm. Lovely guy. And But when I think back on it, I'm like, I've got nothing. Mm. I got told there's no process. I got told you just got to work it out. And I'm like, I'm already doing that. Yeah. I already don't know what the process is. Yeah. Like, is this a space where we were just talking? There were a couple of times where he just sat there like, and didn't talk. And it was like a sales meeting where the first person that talks loses. Mm. You know, and there could be like 10 minutes of silence. I'm like, this is not doing anything for me. Like, this needs to, I'm here for a reason. Give me, give me yeah. something. Give me a process or, or let's talk through something. Tell me a story. Yeah. You know, whatever it may be. But that, that, there were no hugs. Yeah. There was no bro. I'm like, okay. So I went to four out of five sessions. I only missed one because one car family, my wife took off. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, ah, right. So I called him up and I said, dude, I'm like, I'm not going to get there. There's just no way. I thought the car was going to be back and it's not. All right. Fourth at the session. Happy days. So it's, it's you know, that's, um, that's the unfortunate part of the industry, I think. And, I, and I'm, the term's an unfortunate one that it's just, yeah D differing stuff you know different yeah i results i've uh, explained that this scenario is uh, a lot i've seen a couple of psychologists and uh, a couple of them it just felt black and white mm. they never shared their story they never shared their personal thing and so it was there wasn't an interaction for me i'm, I'm all about interaction a give and take Whereas Darren, man, man it's, it's gray and it's mixed up as colors, it's rainbows. And he shares his experiences as a father of four. So everything where I'm at in my journey, man, he gets. Um, and I'm like you, man, I've always had a mentor. And bringing that third child into the realm, um, I felt anger like, and frustration, but consistently. And it's like, okay, cool. Like went into a couple of men's circles, like, cool, I'm not getting a process or uh, like help this way. I'm going to go clinical. And so I went back into a realm that I thought was black and white, but I got recommended to this dude. And it's been amazing, man, to explore it from a clinical perspective as well. Um, and <laughs> got a lot of work on it. Uh, but it's been really beautiful, man. I asked my partner, hey, do you want to come? And um, yeah, she, like, same thing, arms wide open when she, he first got there. And um, yeah, man, right. so she feels safe as well. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, man, to have, have him by my side on this journey. Yeah. Just the idea of a hug. So good. It's interesting being on the it's interesting being on the other side of the clinical relationship because I'm a hugger. Like I'll hug everyone. Mm. But as a professional clinician, for want of a better term, 
it's sometimes it's, you can't just you, you can't initiate the hug yeah <laughs> but you you know so yeah, it's, yeah. there's all there's all those kind of areas that you've got to be uh cognizant of but i've had people afterwards go oh, but i'm like yeah this is all part of it like that's what it should be this yeah. is human connection right this is this is the real work it's okay if we cross that line it i mean i don't even think that line exists to be quite honest but it's okay because that this is therapeutic mm-hmm. this person needs a hug right now mm-hmm. they need to be held while they're having a cry it's all right yeah you know, I had a I had a lady come in recently, and there's no hugging involved in this, but she just said some of the most self-critical words, and I was almost like, I'm the tears are in my eyes, but they're not coming out, and I'm just like, I put my hand on her hand, you know, like it's it's okay, like you are where you are, let's move, like when you're ready, we can move. <laughs> and this is like talking to a friend all of a sudden, we're both going to start crying, you know, like that coldness that you were talking about earlier from the nurses it needs to go like <laughs> i'm gonna faint bro <laughs> faint. So just yeah. yeah okay if you get it's okay if you faint we'll look after yeah. you yeah but Hold- that asking that asking for help can you help take my hoodie off that's because weird. I felt awkward and I, I was just really getting clammy and then no help. That was the what that was the bit that I, was like, I actually asked for it. Yeah. And it was at a really vulnerable moment too, because I was in and out of consciousness and I'm like, like breathing to stay present. And like, yeah, it was, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's um, yeah. Some like, I don't want to just, point out nurses because there's so many people do this through so many professions but why did some nurses become a nurse Mm. um like several nurses that don't have any empathy at all and i know that they need to be very uh succinct or or, um, concise with how much empathy they do like in men's work not going too far empathetic into somebody else's story but having some some nurture it's like some of them are just completely cut off to mm-hmm. that nurturing role yeah. um so yeah but um when you mentioned before about the um having a laugh about the psychologists and then the hypnotherapists and counselors same happens as tradies so it's the uh, i was a foreman so i was in I supervisor so i was in charge of the men on the ground Right. And then there's engineers. And so oh. the engineers get called ginger beers, which is like the psycho. It's, it's the, oh, what an engineer is going to tell you that. And the reason that we, we, from my trade perspective, is you can go get a degree as an engineer yeah. and work in a university and not get one hand of dirt on you and then come in and then tell a man that's been doing it for 20 years what to do. So there was that misdynamic and that's where that culture comes from. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, it, yeah that, oh. that was, yeah. That I, know, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. My dad used to work construction and um, <laughs> they had some kids come out that had just, you know, recently qualified from RMIT or whatever as engineers. And they were talking about the Rio that they were putting in the concrete before they put the tilts up. And, and this guy was talking, you know, about the mathematics and how much Rio has to go in. And so my uncle goes, mate, come here. And my uncle's straight down the line, like, grew up in the country like my dad, Ocker as, not macho, but he's, yeah, like, blokey bloke. So oh, come, yeah. come, come here, young man. If we put that much Rio in, 
and then we pour the concrete in, the aggregate will get stuck on top of the Rio. So you can't actually do it. It's gonna it's gonna be less structurally sound than you're saying. <laughs> you had to explain this to the kid because he'd never he couldn't. The kid had no real world experience about it. Mm. He had all of the pieces of paper and all the numbers after his name. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same kind of thing I have with um, with psychology. Where I come from is how do I get this person to shift to where they want to get to as quickly as possible? I don't want to see you once, twice a week for the next 10 years. I have no interest in that. And shift. Once you've shifted, like if something pops up in six months, come back, we'll go again. Yeah. You know, so it's not about making money out of the therapeutic relationship. It's about you moving. If I'm lucky, you'll tell someone else which is rare in mental health, right? Because there's a stigma attached to it. You don't say I went and saw Adam because I had anxiety over getting on a plane. You don't, you just don't say it. So then people don't get help. So, you know, it's, it's, it's refreshing that you come on here. You're the second person I've spoken to, maybe the third. This is, this is the pool of men that I'm speaking to, right? It's just going, yeah, I'm seeing psychologists. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Like let's have that discussion as well. Yeah. It's um it's interesting because there is a stigma behind that. Um and it was um I remember the very first time I shared at a men's circle that my partner and I are seeing a relationship counselor. Mm-hmm. And it was huge like I like I'm fairly transparent, like I'm, I'm really transparent about all of my emotions. And this is something that I didn't want to tell my men's team. And the, as and if I you're remember failing was, a relationship, right? Yeah. I don't want yeah. to admit to anyone that I'm, I need help here. Yeah. And it was a big circle too. One of the biggest for a while. I said, oh, fuck, lean in, man. Like go for everything that you teach everyone. Yeah. And so I declared it. And then it was, it was received really well. But what the magic was, man, the private messages I got. That like within the next two weeks, there was five of those dudes that signed up to go see a counselor and save their marriages. Um, and so it was like that permission slip thing of someone going first and saying it's okay. And that just those private messages, I'm like, oh man, I need to be talking about this. The vasectomy, I did a video about my feelings of that. I had the most private messages I've ever had. Mm. I've got something that so many men get done, but I've never heard anyone talk about it on social media ever. Mm-hmm. But all of these taboo things, man, like seeing a psychologist, having a, a bro by your side, having someone to like mentor you and guide you, man, it has been uh, amazing Like with both of our lives, that having a mentor and just making it okay. But hey, we all need support in different forms and different mm. and through different seasons and through different aspects of life. And yeah, man. Yeah, that taboo thing is such an interesting one. I, um, I've got a mentor that's specifically helping with, with like business stuff at the moment. It never, yep. it never ends up being a business conversation, but you know, like that's why I started seeing him for that. But he's like, just stay on track. Let's have a, have, have, you know, blah, blah, blah. One of the things he said to me, cause his dad was a hypnotherapist in London, right? Like very successful sixties and sixties. That would have been such an interesting time. But he's like, most of the people that my dad was seeing was like erectile and sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Terrible word dysfunction, but let's not split yeah, yeah. hairs and look for a better word. So he said, test the waters and see what you'll get back with putting out some content. And it was kind of like giggles and fart jokes, right? That came back. Like there was nothing yeah. serious that came back. It's like, yeah. oh, right. 
Okay. So we, a discussion needs to form here before people are prepared to not go for Viagra, right? Like let's, yeah. let's not go for the pill. Yes. The pill's not the, the pill's not the solution here. Like most of it's what's going on here. Yeah. But, and I've had, I have conversations like that when I was a kid at uni and I, I had so much, um, there was so much weight on sex, right? It wasn't free and easy when I was in, you know, I put so much pressure on myself. There was a few times that nothing ever happened because nothing ever happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's a conversation, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to talk about that shit. Right. But it's a taboo, right? Like how many guys want to talk about their cocks not working? Yeah. No. Because how, how, it, I mean, yeah, physically we're attached to it, but emotionally and spiritually and all the manly shit that comes out of that. Yeah. And there's so much compare, comparing to others come from our literal physical cock. Yeah. Like through all circles, like ask me, hey, do you look at another man's penis when you're at a urinal? And every 100% have always said yes. Do you compare? Yes. Like I've it's done. like, but no one, no one fucking talks about that, man. Like, yeah, like there's a, um, a porn addiction specialist, a uh, lady by the name of um, Catherine Lyle. She's um, got integrated men's health. Every online program I have, she comes and guest speaks for 90 minutes pertaining to porn intimacy, uh, impotent, uh, impotency. And then we start this and it's like the only woman I ever bring in the men's circle space. So it's a bit of apprehension at the start and everyone's like, yeah, man, we're nervous. And we're talking about couple- cocks with a woman. Exactly. Right, and then bang. do a bit of humor to break the thing. But sure. literally with, within 45 minutes like dudes are cutting other dudes off to ask hey what about this what about that and like they just go popcorn we hit the nine minutes like hey we're gonna back on man yeah. because once that ball starts rolling there's like so much that we want to learn about it of um, masturbation like yeah in, uh, impotency and like oh man what porn's been doing to the brain like it's um well you know yeah, it's, it's there's a there's a lot of that around and i don't know if it's just that Sometimes whatever's on your radar gets, it's like the confirmation bias, right? You, you see more and more yep. of it, more and more of it, you know, uh, reticular activating system. You think about buying a red Ferrari red, and all red these, these red Ferraris, right? Yeah. But so that's been popping up on my radar at the moment. Maybe it's the AI that's just been like, okay, you read this article. So they will show you a whole bunch of articles. But I have this feeling that yes, definitely there can be difficulty in and around porn. And we could have a huge conversation about that. I think the bigger issue is um, the need for immediate gratification. Like that we're taught mm-hmm. by so much now that it's easy to get what we want now. Mm-hmm. Like silly example, maybe not a silly example, but a, a clear example. When we were kids, if we wanted to learn something, we had to go and find someone who knew about it, or we had to go to the library. Sometimes we had to go to a different library. Right. I remember I used to go over to my auntie and uncle's house because they had like world book encyclopedia. Yeah. But just to find out like, what's this parrot do or, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But now boom, ask uncle Google. Yeah. You can learn everything, whether it'll be right or wrong. And like when, when uh, my mates and I are sort of mid teens interested in how everything hangs together. Right. You've got to find a porn mag. And you're just looking at photos, right? There's, unless yeah. someone's got the old VHS tape and when are you going to watch that? So it was harder to get all that. Even, even music, you had to go and buy a cassette or vinyl. Yeah. 
and you have to take care of it. You can't just say, oh, today I want to listen to Bang and then you've got the whole catalog. So I, like my feeling at the moment is that what that's what's feeding into this porn difficulty that some people are having, whether it's yeah. addiction, whether they're becoming like impotent because of how they use porn. And I'm no expert. I would love to talk to this lady about it. I'd find it fascinating. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause you know, like, I'm happy. I, I watch porn. I'm very selective about what it is. If it, you know, like it's got it. I have my own parameters of what's okay. And what I enjoy and what I don't with my wife, what we, you know, like what we'll talk about, how that yeah. fits into our intimacy. And sometimes it's just about being rude, you know, and it yeah, helps. Yeah. yeah. It's when it's, it takes away from it. Like, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, I'm more interested in that than, than that. Mm. Yeah. Bro, I'm just going to go to the toilet, please, man. All right. I'm going to hit pause. Pause. Cheers, bro. I'll go as well. I wonder how many people are going to pick on the fact, pick up on the fact that we've uh, been talking about porn and then both need to go to the toilet at the same time. <laughs> I was thinking, before, because I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to piss soon. Yeah. And then um, and then I was I'm like, do I drop Kath's name now or not because of that? I, like I was catching, I'm like, we're going to start talking about porn and I'm going to have to pull halfway out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I need more salt in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, like, uh, with what you mentioned too, it's um, uh, like the divorce right now is like through the roof. It's the highest that it's ever been, and yeah. like um, like the 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 statistics after uh, a couple has had one kid, that's the most like the, the biggest. Really, like that's uh, after I have one child, man. That's what my um, fiance and I we we always celebrate that we're still in it. Hey, we're still here, even in those challenges. Like, hey, man, we're against that's that statistic. It, it, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I feel like that's part of instant gratification, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what's going. It's also throw out culture. Yeah. Hey, it's hey, we're not going to work on it anymore. This isn't working. I'm going to throw it away. It's just like a broken plate. Throw yeah. it away. But back. TV doesn't work like, after twelve months. Go buy a new TV. Yep. Get a better, you know, get a better model and pay less for it. Yep. And it, it's not solving anything because all of those things are still there, still there. All those underlying things. So, yeah, man. My dad, my dad said to me, 30th anniversary, he and my mum. And my dad doesn't say profound shit very much. So when he does, you like, you sit down and you listen. You're like, right. He said to me, mate, I think it takes 30 years to really know someone. I was like, fuck. All right. So anytime my wife, Erica, and I having a bit of a not, you know, not seeing eye to eye, I'm like, Half we're only halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. We're only halfway there. Still learning yeah. about her. And she's still teaching me about me. Right. Hey, that's the truth. Yeah. Uh one of my coaches, he always said this uh the moment that you think that you know your partner, you've lost. Ooh. And that because we put a container around, like that's who they could that's all they are. That's all they ever be. And as soon as that happens, man, it's like, yeah. And that's been amazing um, because it, especially in those challenging times, it's like, I think I know how she's going to respond. I think I know how she's going to be. Man, I've lost because there's no, there's no opportunity for her, my perception of her growth. And so mm. I'm, like, I'm going to be open to that. Um, so yeah, anytime I think that I got her figured out, no, nah, man, I, I just remind myself I lost the game. And um, yeah, that's no. been amazing. Uh, yeah. 
I don't want to figure her out. I, to a certain extent, I want her to be a mystery to me. Yeah. You know, apart from the, apart from the, like just the day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff where I'm like, if we can get that down to a, a bit of a process yeah. and that, then I don't have to try and make that shit up every day. That'll be all right. But I heard some mysteries powerful. Like this, this need to know everything or feel like we should know. Fuck all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I have, you know, I have that a lot. Either people I'm mentoring or talking to. They're like, I don't know. Sweet, man. You're not supposed to know. And I'm not asking you to know. I'm asking you, do you know? If you don't know, then okay, we work with you not knowing. That's great. Yeah. Work on that. Yeah. Looking at the, I'm looking at this is my, my, one of my mentors is my seven year old puppy. And she's out the back just doing puppy stuff, right? Like, okay. That's mindfulness right there. Yeah. She just she's just in her moment. She's having a sniff walking about. She doesn't. She's not trying to be anywhere else. She's worked out. I'm busy, so I am not patting her at the moment. And she's not getting any food because she's already been fed. And she's just still happy as a puppy can be. Yeah. <laughs> so many ways to learn. One of my dear friends, Corey. He um, he, out of everyone that I've ever met, um, he is the most devoted to a spiritual path of enlightenment that i've ever met i've met i've seen the dalai lama talk i didn't get to speak to him but this man literally goes sits in caves in india and he's like really deep 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 he doesn't need money because his business work is really well so every day it's just inwards in a, in a game um, and he gave me this beautiful gold nugget once and i want to gift it to any father that or conscious man that's going to become a father um, and he said to me when your child is born, it's the closest thing to consciousness you'll ever see in your in your bare hands. Um, and then just keep watching your child every single day, and then you'll see the moment the ego comes in, and that's your role to remove it or to, to shine light on it for that for that soul. And I've been able to do that with my three kids. He gave mm-hmm. me that gift just before breath was born. Um, and so yeah, when you say about the presence, you're like, oh yeah, man. And so I was every day. And then see that 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 mine, and I can see it like the, the and the the way it amplifies. Like he's now got a brother that's fighting for stuff, and it's like ownership of mine. Now the past two months, it's it's about him being first. Mm-hmm. I want to first, Daddy. I want first, rather than like this mine. Now he's got to beat people, and it's now it's like wow, just seeing how it just comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been amazing, man. To to have that to look at and experience and, and all their development points where, and they get to the point where they, you know, like five, six, seven, where they work out that they're separate, you know, like yep. they're, they're in it, but they get this, they get this idea of being separate from, you know, like, Oh, I'm not my mum, I'm not yep. my dad. Oh, hang yep. on. I'm me. What's this me thing. And then they're starting to work out their boundaries around them and their own sovereignty. Right. Yeah. At that age, you know, holy shit. And then they, like my boy's now going through his next one, which is sort of 13, 14, you know, there's some stuff goes on around there. A little bit of testosterone comes in. Yeah. Thanks for coming. They start having different shit pops up and you're like, yeah. all right. Okay. So that's happening now. Huh? Interesting. But yeah, yeah that, um, yeah. When they, I remember when my boy was born and you're just like, 
Yeah, it doesn't get any closer to God than that. If there's a you know whatever word you want to use, right? Because exactly, that's like oh, that's pure right there. Innocent. Yeah, unconditional, unconditional. The the monkey mind hasn't started up yet, telling stories. Yeah, I remember getting him home three or four days old, and we make a little nest for him on the lounge room floor and put him down. And my wife and I look at each other and go, what now? <laughs> right. Well, I, eventually we're like, okay, well, he's going to know because, you know, we'll just overthink it, right? He knows. It'll, it'll come. We still didn't. Yeah. We we're still, you know, moderately shitting ourselves because we didn't know what the hell we were doing there. Like no instruction manual, right? No. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna tell you when something's not right or they need something. And, and that's pure as well. You just got to work out what it means. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, how many kids do you have? I've got two. Two. Are they boys, girls? I've got one girls? of each: thirteen-year-old boy and an almost eleven-year-old girl. It's, all, ha- it's was, all happening, man. It's all happening. Yeah. How was it when you met your daughter? What's her name? Ava. Ava. How, how was it when you met Ava? Did you find it different as because it was if she was female? Well, female. Um, I get tingles when I when I met Ava. I didn't think she was going to ever breathe. Mm. So Ava come out fast, like she and she didn't know that she was out. So all I saw was a little limp purple bundle that wasn't breathing, and I'm like, "You got to Like I was saying to the nurses, "You got to tell me something here because I'm breathing. I'm dying here already. I'm dying." And yeah. then she went. <gasps> Fucking hell, man! I've never felt anything like that in my life. Like, whew. like, yep. So, yeah, that's a that's a tough question to answer because it's it's filled with almost. It's filled with almost. Um, but yeah, I, I've got a really strong bond with her now. You know, but I can't yep. re- I can't remember meeting her because there was so much fear around not being able to meet her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Our second one, he was like that water birth, but he came up and, but was not making any sound, bro. And like it, the, the analogy of the lighthouse in the storm of like being the lighthouse and just shining that light inside, I was freaking and peeking and I could feel the anxiety from Melinda. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it'll be right. And it's like, like that 30 seconds or a minute felt like an hour and just blowing his face and like just cry for me buddy i just want to hear that scream i just want to hear it and he's like and they stop and nothing and just like oh but then he just yeah settled in but yes that pause man i yeah that heart in the mouth sort of thing um but yeah the the two boys um were phenomenal and i'm just talking to a couple of fathers that had daughters because i noticed the shift within me but it was a subconscious shift. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got two friends. Uh, we have friends that have two daughters the same age as our boys. And mm-hmm. I'm close with them, though not really close, like um, like a lot of kids climb over me and stuff. But with their eldest, um, we're at the beach one day and always build sandcastles, always with the kids. That's, I love doing that. But Armani came and grabbed me, grabbed my hand, walked me over, and then we decorated this thing with like flags and leaves and flowers and everything. And I sat back and was like, oh, my God. I didn't, I was like that moment of like, I've just done that with a little girl. 
And I feel that she felt the energy shift within me because about three months before our daughter was uh, born Earthside. And so I started talking that in circles and stuff with our fathers that had uh, daughters. And what they mentioned too was um, our, the feminine, all we crave is that unconditional love, um, like that mother's love, that's how we open this call. And we get that with a with our daughter because she has she loves us unconditionally until she doesn't. Um, and, but for those first however long, yeah, it's that. And I've felt that that heart melt so many times, just looking deeply into her eyes, and then out of nowhere, just giggling at me and smiling at me. It's like um, it it definitely for me personally, it, it definitely felt different than with my boys. Like with my boys, it was really amazingly. Like conscious expanding but with my daughter really got me in the heart i really felt it deep in there so mm. yeah it was uh, it was interesting yeah. and they continue to be interesting yeah man <laughs> so as soon as you work out well or you think you work it out that you know where they're at developmentally you know how they behave then they just flip the script and you're done yeah you're like yeah wait a minute last week this was now <laughs> what, what <laughs> yeah but again you said this is what you said earlier like i chose this yeah 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 you know, and and you know you can think of really like mundane examples like i chose the puppy like i like i rescued this dog i'd said to my wife like, i just sent her a photo <laughs> sent her a photo of the dog and then a photo of me like <laughs> you know and she's like all right so we go through the process, but you know, she's ruined my yard. She digs holes everywhere. She's, she's <laughs> eating all of the new heliconia shoots. And I'm like, okay. <clears throat> I mean, I've got the front of the house that she can't get to. Yeah. That's her domain. It's all all right. You know, like I don't have her with me at the moment for 90 to 120 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I'll deal with it. What am I getting upset about? I just got to put some dirt back in a hole. Yeah. You know? I listened to a um, Tony Robbins. It was like a, a snippet from one of his workshops a couple of weeks ago. And um, it was, if you can, if you change the meaning, you can change your feeling instantly. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, um, it was just the way it was a short, sharp, that it's like, man. And then the process he did with this dude was amazing. It literally took about four minutes. And this dude came in from bawling his eyes out because he's going through a marriage divorce to like in full empowerment within mm -hmm. four minutes. Yeah. Um, it's just like the dog, the holes in the lawn. Um, I was had my three kids all with ear infections eight days in, all of them. Wow. And I just remember this and the fatigue, man, was through the roof. And that I've chosen this. I've, I've, I chose to be here. I chose all of that. And then when I felt felt uh, yeah realized that hey i chose this i found a different meaning to it mm -hmm. um and yeah like a lot of people like rag on the australian medical system but i'm just like man we've got a beautiful medical system here like i've been to third world countries and they started to find this really um, let's change the meaning of it change the meaning of what i was feeling um i changed the meaning and i started changing my feeling and i just yep. yeah three kids hug fatigue but then i was immensely grateful for it immensely grateful for it and so yeah yeah, so true. So yeah, I can I can I can imagine the kind of process that Robbins would have used with something like that. Just to and it is so quick sometimes. But and the beauty yeah. of that is that person wanted the change. Yeah. 
They wanted the permission. They wanted the permission to change. They were invested in it. They got given a shift of perspective. Landed. Thanks for coming. That's great. I did some work with a young lady recently, who was uh, getting scared in certain situations, and it was like stopping her from whatever that she wanted to do. You know, I won't overshare, of course. And we we did an exercise where I got her to feel into something fearful, something scary. And then later on something exciting and something she anticipated. And then after a little bit of time, I asked her to tell me about the two feelings. And she said they were the same. I was like, yeah, okay. Is it possible that you've mislabeled something in your experience? And the light bulb just went on, right? And she's like, oh, hang on a minute. So maybe I'm not scared. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, take that and see if that's what's going on. That's amazing. I know. And it's like just, and that's just a shift for her, right? And it's just gently point you in that direction over there. Yeah. And it it can be that quick when when someone's ready. Yeah. Um, You just mentioned the word aha. I studied Buddhism for three years. Um, one of the first books I read um, was the Dalai Lama's. I think I think it's the beginning of happiness, end of suffering, beginning of happiness, or uh-huh. something around that. And um, within, I think it was in, in that book, um, the disciples asked Buddha, um, "How do you know you become enlightened?" And so at the time, I was 28 when I read this proverbial quote, and he said. Um, two words, four letters, two syllables. And he said, aha. And when I was, I was like, aha. And like, I was just like, what? And I just couldn't put my head around like what that meant um, at 27, 28. And throughout the, like, these lessons and this like, life, these light bulb moments, mm-hmm. when they go off, these aha moments, like, boom, of like knowing something to be true for ourselves, but yeah. remembering and then the more yes. I learn about the learn on more the more I learn about consciousness is remembering, and so we just want to remember where we come from. But all yeah. those little light bulb light bulb moments, all those aha moments, are literally little glimpses of enlightenment for each person. Um, yeah, just um, just wanted to share that because I, I remember reading it. I thought, like, what? what? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And to me then now, and then yeah, then I had the aha moment of the aha. <laughs> oh, aha! I understand what aha means. That's great. Yeah. The layers of that. I, I read something. I mean, I've done, uh, I, I, I wish I could remember who this was, but it was someone explaining what enlightenment really is and what you know, Samadhi and Satori. I think it was a Jap, I think it was Satori, like as in it was a, a Zen priest or a Zen monk. And the misconception in the Western world that it's a destination. And once you get there, you've got it. Because I'd done all this reading from like my early twenties, expecting like that the reason that you meditated, that the reason that you did work was that you get to this point and you're there because nothing explained that that wasn't the case until this one guy, geez, I wish I could remember his name. He said, we all have these moments all the time. And they're fleeting. And then you move on. Like, it's not a state, it's a moment. And I was like, ah, oh, ah, uh-huh. oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
that's why I've been having these moments of clarity and then they just fall away and I've got the next thing to try and work out because it's, it's transition, right? It's not, you don't get there and you're done. It's like, yeah. why didn't these other books say that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that I had something similar with the, uh, the chop wood and carry water. Like what do you do before enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. <sighs> what do you do after enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. What? What? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then um, someone, uh, one of my mentors explained that exactly the same as what you just did. But use the analogy of washing the dishes mm-hmm. and be super present with the soap sides and all that kind of stuff. And um, again, with Tony Robbins, just put the meaning of the chore they used to have to do as a kid. But then mm-hmm. now using that as a present mindfulness thing and like how present can I be washing the dishes? Man, it's crazy. It's yeah. like you, you, you could like literally been euphoric on so many occasions. You can enjoy washing the dishes. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. Yeah. My wife does yeah. this all the time with the washing. I'm like, can I, can I hang the washing out? Or going, no, no. She's like, no. I enjoy my time out at the washing line. I enjoy that. I'm like, okay. Huh. Right, wait a minute. This is a job that we have to do, and you're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I kind of had that this morning when I was like, okay, I've got a call. That's important. I need to be there at a certain time. I've got a bunch of work to do, and I've got to walk the dog. That's what my process was, and I've got to walk the dog. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I actually really like <laughs> when I don't overthink it, I really enjoy walking the dog. Yeah, because I'm just we're going for a walk together, and if it wasn't for the legalities around it, we'd do it without a lead because she's better off lead anyway, and we would just have a ball. Yeah, and he and I'm telling myself a story about she's going to pull on the lead, and we, it's the start of school. There'll be kids around. Ah, all these reasons not to like to not enjoy it. It is a chore. Here's my story. Here's the meaning. Mm. And I'm not nah, okay. We're just going for a walk, and you know. She's not the best for the first couple of minutes because she's terribly excited. Yeah. And then she and then she gets her groove. And I'm like, okay, now we're just going for a walk. And I got back. I was like, huh, enjoyed that, right? I didn't have to do that. That wasn't a chore. Yep. That was great. All right. Yeah. Um, Kerwin and Ray, you know, him, you've heard seeing his stuff pop up. Um, he put something up about um, his son. And then um, his son always trying to get his attention just before he needs to drop you off at school and mm-hmm. trying to pull him away from going to work. Um, and then um, I, I'm not, I can't remember if someone asking the question, like, what are you doing in this situation? But then what he explained, and um, since I've watched this video, my boy does it all the time now. Um, and so like for the viewers or listeners, it was, um, so it'd be like 8.30, it's a half an hour drive to get to school. Mm-hmm. And then his boy will say, hey, dad, let's play Lego. And so there's all of those heartstrings of like, oh, the traffic and oh, I'm going to be late. Oh, all of those, all the stories then comes up. And so what he, how he reframes it, he asks himself the question, what would I like to be remembered at the end of the day? As the man who dropped my kid off to school on time or the man that got late to work because he was present with his kid. And he's like, Lego all day of the week. And since I've watched that video, um, yeah, Breathy, he um, can ride a bike with you no know, training wheels now. And he's like, daddy, ride a bike. I'm like, oh, bro. And the same thing. I have a client at nine o'clock and then I've got this, this, and this, and this. Yeah, bro, let's do it. Let's, like, let's do it. 
and then the the elation on his face and just that moment like oh man while we're, while we're here mm-hmm. not to grind not to all that like that can wait and if it needed to man i'll shift it so hey i was i'll shift it if i have to if i really got to it i'd shift it um so yeah i i, I definitely feel you man around it's not a chore we get to do that no it's um, just amazing how you know, like what we learnt, what we're taught as kids through the schooling system, what our parents learnt, all the stuff that flows down. And automatically that's the way we, we box our stuff like it, it's chores, it's stuff we have to do. And it's not that hard to swap that around. Take, I mean, it takes some effort. Mentally, it takes some effort to switch how you talk to yourself. But there's so much in it. Like, what, do you, what would you prefer to be doing? Did your earbuds just go, I've had enough? Have you got me? Yeah, I have. I haven't got you yet. All right, mate. Let's pause until you do. Speakers. Can you say something, bro? Yeah, is it working now? We're back. Big conversation and AirPods drop off. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. I don't have mine today. It's going to be interesting to see if I get some kind of weird feedback from the computer into the microphone, but I should be all right. Pretty crisp on this end. Yeah, yeah, it'll be all right. We'll work it out. It's no problem. But that, you, were, you were talking before. I talked to a, I talked to a guy uh, middle of last week, and his sons were walking in the whole time. In the, and I'm like, don't worry about it. It's, yeah. it's fine. Another guy had his cat just walking across it. And I'm like, it's fine. It's the whole point, right? It's not, we don't do one without the other. We're, we're, we're in life. Yeah. This is not, it's not a surgical environment. <laughs> you know, like I'm normally my pup's normally lying on the floor just behind me, but today she was sitting at the door looking at me. I'm like, out you go. Don't dig too many holes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. What's up for you at the moment? Like what, what are you walking, what are you working towards? Where are you taking yourself? Um, so first things first is like just, um, the house. Um, so this is the first time I've, I've built. Um, and so, yeah, just let, um, it's been a beautiful process. Started the process last November, um, of de- designing the, like our dream home and, mm-hmm. uh, and forwards with brokers and accountants and that kind of stuff. And just making sure we're capitalizing and, um, it's been nice, man, learning all about that. Um, and then um, business-wise, um, the only the next face-to-face thing I've got is the re- uh, three-day retreat that I run in November. Um, so yeah, we took I had a lot of stuff booked in, but we just took it all off and it's like create some space. Um, got another um, group program, so the MindFit Gym uh, online men's group program. We're not on launching fifteenth of September, um, so at about you know, a month's time. Um, and then then I do a, another group program called initiated which is uh helping men that want to lead men's circles or become a coach how to start their business and create sort of what i've created and other men are creating so that one launches in um uh, late november um so other than those two i've got a new online platform so service is one of my highest values and be mm. able to give back and so, so i still was craving that connection of the men's circle um so i just created a, an online platform uh, like I call it an online platform, like a steroids ferment, like it, like just so much content, like daily content in there. They can just come in and they just can plug into like purpose, relationship, and fatherhood. They're the three topics I just jam on every day and just 
just allow that community to have a lot of, a lot of free challenges and webinars and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I can manage that from the computer, um, which is giving me that space. I don't have to go to circles and run all that logistical stuff. Yes. So that's called the men's fuel station. It's something that I've wanted to create, but didn't have the, the space for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just looking after managing that community has been really beautiful. And um, it was really lovely to um, create a new platform um, and like what we mentioned at the start of this call about like the, the levels of where we're going to play at. And so I like set the bar here. This is what this group is going to be about. And it got met and just dudes went deep straight away, which has been beautiful because now the whole community, as more people come in, it's like, hey, this is what we're up to. There's no having to try to break through those barriers and walls. It's like these are the men that are yearning for this kind of level of commitment. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's uh, where we're at in business. Um and then, yeah, my beautiful queen and I are getting married next year, 11th, 11th. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's a fun day. I'm deeply excited for that, man. Yeah, it's such a cool day. I can remember, we, we, we did it 2006. 2006. And um, just a registry office in Melbourne. Didn't want to make a big fuss about it. It's like 40 people turned up. That's all we, you know, like, like Big room, 40 people turn up. That's all you can fit in. They're like, that's enough. Like, how many people really want to come to the ceremony anyway? It's only your close people, right? Most people want to come to the party. Yeah. I mean, a cocktail party afterwards. And that was it. Done. Game on. Just celebration. Yeah. One of the best weddings. No, not one of. Aside from mine, because clearly that's number one. My wife ever listens to this. There's some brownie points for me. Um, we went to a Muslim wedding in the gardens in Melbourne. And so having no understanding of what any of it was about, right? Just none. The, the process is like all of the more logistical stuff about what relationship is and doing all of the actual marriage stuff is done in private early before the big sort of communal celebration. So them taking their vows for want of a better word. And I apologize if I get that wrong with this, you know, in this context is more for show for everyone. Cause it, but they've already made, cause they've already made the commitment. They've already talked to their elders and their parents and they made commitments to the families and done all of that stuff. Which is so beautiful. Right. Mm. But I remember before it started, you know, the men and the women get separated and there's me and maybe two other guys who aren't Muslim there. And all of the brothers, the brothers, they're all, brothers come, come and sit with us. If you have any questions about anything that's going on, ask. We understand that you don't know what's happening. You're not expected to know. You're, you're our family today, right? And the, so the, and the women went and did the same thing off, off to the side. And it was so beautiful that what, we obviously weren't part of that community, but we were made part of that community for that day. Mm. And then after, and then the food comes on afterwards, right? And it's, <laughs> it's next level, but it's all communal. Everyone's so polite about sharing and we're all sitting in the gardens, in our, in, you know, creating little circles. And there was no stress about the day. There was no, you could see there was no tension. There wasn't any of the, the bride is supposed to be late and she's wearing this and the song's got to be this way. None of that. Mm. It's just a vibe. It's just about the celebration of these two people who were connecting in marriage. Yeah. 
so long ago now. Like that was before I got married. I am. Um, that it, it reminds me of when I travelled in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousins, um, my cousin married a Brazilian woman, and they moved back there, and they lived in this uh, like they live in a village. There's only thirty thousand people, still cobblestone roads, horse and carts, and he started an English teaching school there. First white man there in like decades. Mm-hmm. I travel there, and so I'm the second white man, and. I've been invited into every day. There's about seven or eight days straight people that weren't related to Vivian, my uh, cousin's wife, but they were just friends. And right. then it was like the whole, like I'd go there, aunties, uncles, grandfathers, aunt, like everyone was there just to meet me. It was super, super humbling. Uh-huh. And the, what I, um, what I really took home from it was that round of food. Um, we'd all sit there and they have these big beers, but then you don't get a can the beer comes out and everyone gets a little bit of the beer and you sit there and the food just keeps coming and coming and coming. So you all, and it's all share plates, but, and you only have that much beer out of one can, but I've been to barbecues in Australia where the barbecue doesn't come, it doesn't even get turned on. Mm-hmm. No food. It's all about the beer, but it just felt so homely. It was, it was phenomenal. And the same thing, what you mentioned, they, um, my cousin's like, you've got to come in and listen to how they sing happy birthday. And it was like a doof, like it, like they, they clap. It was amazing, but they put me into the like in front of everyone at the table, so I could experience the elation that the the, the daughter was having the birthday. Exactly like me, Casa, you, Casa. I really felt so much love and like that. Some of these people, uh, materialistically, um, weren't wealthy, but mm-hmm. they were so rich in the love of, uh, that they shared. It was just, it was amazing, man. Like, I really enjoyed South America for that. It was like, yeah. I think that uh, Latino culture, I'm Polynesian, but it's like, I really feel that that love and that warmth from a household, which is really beautiful. Yeah, it speaks to our need for community, I think. Yeah. No, we miss it. Like the, especially now more than ever. Mm. But even before any of this pandemic stuff, not a lot of tribal kind of get togethers. In, in in this society yeah uh, and and full circle again as these calls always do this is this is why men's work is so important why men's circles work and for women too of course it's outside of my you know my realm i'm not involved in women's health but because we need that mm-hmm. that connection and there's something about sitting around a fire Right, this like that's been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's like it's in our DNA, if you will, and maybe it is. I don't know enough about that stuff to speak on it, but yeah, I wonder. I often wonder now that we're going through this forced separation and forced isolation, and for us, luckily, on the sunny coast, it's sort of dribs and drabs, but it does cut things off. So it's stop and start. And then my sister and her husband, they're right in the middle of the shit in Sydney. In Sydney. And that's starting to be annoying, shall I say. And I've got mates who are like, what, lockdown seven or eight in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how this is going to affect community. You know, are we going to be able as a society to take the opportunities that are presented by something like this kind of a conversation. Can we use online tools in a beneficial way, or is it all just going to 
go boom, you know, because we don't just, we don't all have the opportunity to go get the coffee in the morning and talk to 10 people we wouldn't otherwise see. Yeah. Um, so we spoke about this. So um, we mentioned CMB. There was 11 of us that created CMB, but, and we're from all walks of life, um, different races and um, from different countries. Uh, and so when, when the first lockdown happened over in Europe or China, wherever it was, we jumped on a call like, and just like, um, what's the word? Like just, um, just chewing the fat. Like if this lockdown the globe, how quickly do you reckon we could lock down the whole world? And we'll joke, like just throwing it out there. And then how it got locked down within four days. I think the earliest we said was about two weeks. And it's just like four days. Boom. I was like, what? So we had another call, like where all we had CMB, a men's movement, and we're, a few of us had our own businesses. And we're like, cool, this is why we've been doing the work for to be innovative and to be able to be the lighthouse in the storm and hold it for our family. While all this shit's going on, we can still thrive. And a majority of us did. One of the things that we all said was we all have our own communities and we need to look at a way to sustain that if social media collapses. So like if Facebook and everything shuts down, how are we still going to be able to have a community? And so we've been like innovative with that. And then it was really interesting that all of us said, like even before the pandemic was the one thing that we crave is face-to-face connection more than anything. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to run any more online programs. We're like, Hey, we want, we've got workshops and stuff. We want to do that. And it was a unanimous 11 of us. That's what we want to do face-to-face. And then like the pandemics and all that kind of stuff happens and we get forced not to, but I really do deeply think what is that what you're saying is like both fronts is like, we need to look after that face-to-face because humans, mm-hmm. we want that, but then also find those ways to make sure that our communities are tapped into each other in some way, shape or form. And so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, something that we were talk, talking about like a year ago. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what it'll be. I've just, I hope there is an opportunity for people to get in front of people again, you know? Yeah. And I say it on every one of these conversations that I'm blessed here, I can walk down to the local coffee shop and talk to 10 people. I can do it. I'm lucky. But not everyone can. Like my sister uh, sent a message out to like, a little family group and we just sort of pop little notes on it every day just to let everyone know what's going on. And she said that the, the restrictions are now down from 10K radius in, around that, your home to a 5K radius. So they're really putting the screws on now, tightening the screws. Wow. Like that's, I don't know how many, I mean, in Noosa, okay, I know a lot of people within that sort of that radius but if i was still in melbourne none of my friends would have been within that 5k radius yeah it, it's interesting that um a maiden one from the goldie came up mm-hmm. and um we're, we're a one car family as well so many of the kids in the car so we rode a bike up to the shops and i live at golden beach at caloundra and we went in and i said g'day to the dude that owns a news agent the owner of iga the, the lady at the bottom low, go in a real grocer, sat down, said good day to Josh and Kato own it. Their daughter came up and said good day to him, introduced my mate to all of these people. And then as we left, he's like, man, he's like, you you know everyone. I'm like, nah, man, we all know each other, bro. It's not just, it's not social media. They're like, we all know each other because this is a community, man. And he goes, well, we don't have that on the Gold Coast, mate. I'm like, I, I, 
for me, it's like, I'm, I'm so used to this. I've lived here since I was 17 and I'm Polynesian, like I'm Maori, my mum's, so there's always people around and that human connection's always been there. And yeah, I would like, it'd be super challenging to then get restricted to then being a community of people that you didn't actually know. Mm -hmm. Challenging for those people that are locked down right now. Because yes. we are very blessed on the sunny coast. We've been very fortunate. And also we chose it. We chose to live here. Mm. Oh, um, could, oh, look, another time I'll tell you the story about how I got up here. <laughs> it's unreal. It's a lot of work to get here. And then we get here and we land and everything falls over. That's like within about three months, everything. <laughs> I was like, okay. Right. So now I've got a house, a mortgage, kids at a new school and all this stuff going on. Mm. Yeah. But the beach is five minutes that way. Yep. Yeah. And would I, would I rather be where I was doing that stuff and having, having not having these challenges or would I rather be here? Yeah. Comes back to what you said at the start. We chose it. Yeah, man. Um, when I traveled to South America, I was coming back. I was almost 31 and I had no partner. I had no home. I had nowhere to be. And I'm like, I was literally, I was in Mexico. I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm coming home in a week. Where do I want to live? Yeah. I, I can live anywhere in the world. Um, and it was a toss up between Burley or the Sunshine Coast because I'd lived on the Sunshine Coast my whole life. But I'd been to Burley and I had the same feel as well. But I chose the sunny coast because I knew people. So I had a few people. So yeah, came back. Um, and was it three years ago? We're in Joshua Tree. Um, so all of the, the founding fathers of CMB, a lot of us, there's four or five of us hadn't met face to face yet. We'd been in men's circles for two years together. So like, we've got to fix this. So we went to LA, went to Joshua Tree, did a massive big plant medicine journey in the middle of the desert. And so we're deep in the medicine. And one of the facilitators said, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? But you're not allowed to ever leave again. And so like, that was a really, like, we all took it as truth. And my answer was, so long as I can snowboard on the way home, it'll be the Sunshine Coast. And then COVID hit. And I'm like, do you know something, bro? Like, do you, like, what, what do you know, man? Like, it was interesting when all, and cause I snowboarded on the way home. I did actually have that snowboard. And so, but so, we're, we're blessed, man. It's like, it, it has everything that I enjoy here. Um, and it, uh, when I was 17, I came up, all of my mates were older than me. So we came up and did a, a boys trip and I stayed at this dude's house, never met him, but him and I hit it off. But the sunny coast just felt like home. It just mm -hmm. had a really deep calling. I was into, I grew up in Toowoomba. I literally went back the next day, quit my job and just moved up and slept on his couch for two weeks. And then all of these things just lined up and I've been here ever since. And I took my partner home back to New Zealand about four or five years ago. I went back to where I grew up and I hadn't been there before my spiritual awakening. Oh, so I hadn't been there after my spiritual awakening. So I hadn't been there for like 10 years. Get, and we had this little batch and it was like our backyard was sand. It was that close to the water and had no grass. And like got there and I look up and it just reminds me of the Sunshine Coast. Like literally it feels the same, like the same kind of fish and chip shop. It was just, ah, oh, this is why I'm so drawn here. It literally feels like that, like I was three again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's why I love the Sunny Coast so much. <sighs> We holidayed here for like 10 years. And then one day my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, why are we going home? And this isn't home. Yeah. And that was it. Like we just, we knew at that point. Okay. So what do we have to do? I think it took us two or three years to get everything lined up. Yeah. 
because wife, two kids, jobs, all that kind of stuff. What do I need to do? What does she need to do? What do we need to do for the kids? Yep. Lining everything up. Just started ticking boxes. Yeah. Put life in a container and away we go. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I remember mum, bro. We're single mum of four kids. Would pack us all in this maroon Camira from Toowoomba. <laughs> drive us three hours take us to king beach fountains have a swim in the oh, beach yeah. get us an ice cream and like fish and chips and drive yeah. home and, and she'd do that a six hour drive to take her kids to the beach for a couple of hours wow. she did that that much man like we knew the people at the fish and chip shop like it's just superwoman bro like just wow. super, to give us that yeah yeah, uh, yeah that that was just super amazing man super amazing um, it's, it's amazing what you remember from your childhood like queensland was another country to me when i was a kid growing up in victoria yeah we did maybe two or three trips up to surfers and it was like this place actually exists mm. yeah, and then you'd be if you're lucky you get to go down to kira or burley or something like that and see what a, a little bit away yeah yeah or you know staying cool and gather for a while yeah and then i started investigating it all sort of 18 19 20 okay yeah. Up to Cairns, see Port Douglas, do Byron, do you know Brunswick and all that. That's, so that whole stretch. Yeah. And then and then it's like, okay, where are we moving to? When my wife and I, uh, yeah, it's here, somewhere yep. here. Yeah. And it's amazing how it opened up. Like we we negotiated to stay in a short term rental for three months. We asked for six, and they said you can have it for three. All right. Well, we got to work something out in three months. And then this house that I'm in now came up, got it for the price that we were prepared to pay. And then everything just went after that. But we would be not here right now had we not just jumped. Yeah. Luckily found the property. One, we'd seen the property. I mean, there's so many things fell into place when I think about it. My wife the same week goes for a job next door. There's a real estate agent. The guy comes out, asks what we want, points us back to this house, starts negotiating for us. Cause he didn't have it listed. Mm-hmm. So we've, he's on our side, right? Cause he's going to get a commission. He's become a mate. You know what? It's amazing. If you think about all of the shit that's gone right, rather than all of the shit that's gone wrong. And you start counting your blessings. Yeah. You know, that even the stuff that's a bit sideways now for everyone, it has it has that context. Yeah. Yeah, I always say have a 40,000 foot view, look at it. Like pop up 40,000 foot and all of those things that had to happen to get there. Yeah, and wow. Like the real estate, like for you, the real estate to jumping. Really, like, and, and it's just that alignment. Um, I, the reason I say that is because so many people or, or so many men feel like they, they're not on purpose or don't have direction. Yet, if you're wanting to head west and you're heading that vicinity, you're on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's only the attachment to the path that's causing the person suffering. But if you yeah. pop up, it's like, fuck, if I didn't have that failure, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't have that failure, then I wouldn't have gone to that thing and met that dude who then, it, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, man, it's like all meant to be. 
Yeah, I have this. I have this in that a lot of people sort of visualize that the road's going to be straight. So they've got this idea of like walking down a road. And I said, if you can change that process and think about it more like you're sailing. Yeah. And when you sail, you sail in a general direction, but there are so many factors in and around wind, tide, current. So you end up doing these ones to get there, right? And sometimes you're miles off course, but you're still heading in the general direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you can conceive of that journey differently, then it starts to fall into place. I think because we're used to, you know, like we're used to walking on a straight track or driving on a straight road that we think our journey is going to be like that. Yeah. And it's not, it's just not. No. And it's um, super stressful and so much anxiety when we try and keep it straight. Mm-hmm. When we try and, oh, like for me with CMB, the energy and control of not fucking letting go of that baby. But as soon as I did, ha. Oh, fucking life just opened up because mm. I let go of control I let go of like okay it's not going to be this path that I thought it was going to be let it go and then create a space for the men's fuel station which has been a deeper aspect of what I want to do anyway mm-hmm. so yeah yeah yeah. I, I can I can speak to like, when people will look at my journey they'll be like oh, he started a lot of stuff and didn't finish it and I'm like yeah I did but it wasn't, that wasn't the right thing. And then it led to the next thing and it led to the next thing and it led to the next thing. And I'm bouncing off all of these ideas to get to where I am now. But I had, I had to do those things and half do them and then kind of do a little bit of this one and then jump all the way into that one and then fuck that one up. And then, right, to work out what is it that I do exactly and, yeah. and what am I good at? Yeah. What do people want and how can I be of service? And literally had it come to me three or four days ago, lying in bed, had a moment. I was like, ah, aha, uh-huh. right? That's what I'm doing now. Yep. That's why up to a, a couple of months ago, I was struggling hitting up against something like this. It's almost right, but it's not right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I don't really like titles, but I've got an idea of how I can explain this to people. I know how I can take all of that knowledge that I've acquired since I was a teenager on this journey of mine and be able to put it back out there and people can pick it up if they want to pick it up. Right. I needed all of that shit to happen beforehand. Yeah. And that leads to this conversation, which was, which was precipitated by me picking up the phone in the, in the lockdown that happened a couple of weeks ago and talking to someone that I hadn't spoken to in almost two years. Mm. And he said, why aren't you doing this? I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. He said, do it. I, I said, okay, well, I'll do it. And away we go. Beautiful. That's, it's, that's, that's flow rather than blocked. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, man. Happy for you, bro. Thank you, brother. We need to uh, connect face to face. We do. Yeah, yeah, we do. We'll make it, we'll make it work. It will. 100. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the bye bye recording button right now. Yeah.